Film Nerd Theater. Let's do this. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of How Bad Is Mike's Memory? I mean, Film Nerd Theater. Or How Bad Is Tim's Memory? Or the long tangents Tim can go on. Tangent Tim, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make that stick now. So welcome back for another episode of Film Nerd Theater with my brother, Tim, who is romantically involved with his VHS collection. That that doesn't sound right. I mean, no, it doesn't. It It's right, but that's... Yeah, tell me not, I'm wrong. You're not wrong. I just, I don't know if I like the connotation of romantically involved. I mean, if it's a rom-com, I guess, because in rom-coms, there's nothing weird or shady about it most of the time. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. And... uh Cross from me, digitally at least, is my brother who refuses to pay for Netflix. I can only have three streaming services. I have a rule. You can't cross it. But what's the Big Lebowski line about the line in the sand? Oh, God. Where's where where's the line? Or, yeah. In the sand the line is and you do not cross or something. It's like really, it's phrased really weird. I should know this. Well, it's not like you're driving to Cincinnati for Lebowski Fest or anything. I want to. That movie is a riot. Yes. And I've been told by my wife that it's a dude movie. Yeah. And it tracks most of the time. There's a couple exceptions to the rule. (laughs) Where like every once in a while I'll say something about it and there will be a, a woman around and she'll be like, that's a good movie. It's a rarity. Yeah. Annie absolutely hates it. Yeah. See? When I tried to sit down and have her watch it with me, I think at least half the time she was looking at me going, seriously? <laughs> I mean, there's there's been a couple of those movies, Big Lebowski included, that I've made Melissa watch. And <laughs> she's just like, okay, well, we're watching this, but I don't want to be here. <laughs> And that's why we have a podcast. And that's why we have a podcast, so we can talk about weird tangents. So last week, or last week, last time on Film Nerd Theater, it was your quotes. Mm-hmm. And this week is my turn. And if you're just now listening to this podcast at episode nine, go back and listen to the other ones and you'll understand the origin of the quote game. But it is essentially our coin flip to get to see who chooses who goes first for the movie clips. And this week it was my job to pick the quotes. So, Mike, you tell me when you're ready. I was born ready. You were born ready. Okay. I'm nervous. My job isn't to believe or disbelieve. It is to act or not to act. Mmm. It sounded familiar in the beginning, and then once you got into the second half, it lost me. It's okay. We got two more, so... Hit me with a number two. Okay. I'm not that much older than you, so don't call me Pops, or you'll have to find yourself polishing my boots with your tongue. Oh. I should know this. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge. Nope. Damn it. (laughs) Okay. The last one. Okay, right? And subsequently easier. Twin ceramic rotor drives on each wheel? And these look like computer-controlled anti-lock brakes. Wow. 200 horses and 12,000 RPM? Oh, my God. The... uh... (laughs) I can picture it. Can you? I can almost picture it. Obviously not, otherwise I'd... It's like one of those things that's like on the tip of your tongue, but it's like... Yeah. Uh, oh, God 
I've got two movies in my head, and I want to go with one, but I'm afraid it's the other. I mean, Heartbreak Ridge was a, with the polish and boots thing, was a solid. Yeah. Solid guess. Going with the pops thing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What What are your other two theories here? Oh, well, if I say say one, then that's my guess, and we're already on. No, no, no. I I'll let you I'll let you talk it out. We can do we can do this uh, if you want to be a millionaire style. One's a a big blockbuster, and the other one is not. What was the first quote again? My job isn't to believe or disbelieve; it is to act or not to act. Oh my god, this is gonna bug the shit out of me. Now it. God, that third one is so familiar. I'm not I'm not getting it. I'm not that much older than you, so don't call me Pops. You'll find yourself polishing my boots with your tongue. And then twin ceramic rotor drives on each wheel? And this looks like computer-controlled anti-lock brakes. Wow, 200 horses and 12,000 RPM? I'm not... Now I don't think either one of my guesses is right. Okay, let me hear your two guesses. The third quote was making me think Back to the Future. No. But I could see I could see where that would come into play. But then the other two sound more military or something. But my other guess was the race. Oh, that would have been a good, yeah. <laughs> Solid guesses. I, I don't have it. You don't have it. No. So, this, okay. this is truly an episode of How Bad Is Mike's Memory? Well, uh, the last one I thought for sure was a giveaway because this is from Akira. God damn it. <laughs> because I've been... Toiling over the idea of clips from animated movies. <laughs> and you can't do it because each animated movie has its own flavor. So, like, as soon as you show any animated clip, you can put it into a genre, producer, you know. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I can start using the quotes from animated movies. That's true. Yeah. Damn. Which puts it off. So the my job isn't to believe or disbelieve is from the sergeant. Uh-huh. The you're not that much older than me. I forget who that's from, but it's from one of the Tetsuo and Kaneda biker gangs. Yeah. When they're arguing. And then, of course, the twin ceramic rotor drives on each wheel is when uh, Tetsuo is looking at Kaneda's bike and oogling over all of the features. I could feel the energy in that one, and that's what threw me off. And <laughs> the fact that we delved into anime. But that that is an excellent pick, though. Well, because here's the thing. We've been talking over the nine episodes about your love for sci-fi and things. I am not an anime fan. I think I have seen two anime movies ever in my life. One of which is Akira, two which is Ninja Scroll. Oh, okay. And both of those are your fault. (laughs) And Akira is by far one of those things, like when it pops up on my Hulu streaming service, I'm like, do I watch it? Do I I watch it? Hold on. Wait, do I watch it? Of course you do. Um, I was coming here for something else. Okay, I'll just watch a little bit of it. And then it plays through the whole thing and I'm sitting there like, still just as good. Holy crap. When you were saying that you hadn't seen a lot of anime, Ninja Scroll was one of the first ones I thought of. I was like, well, if he hasn't seen that, he's got to see that. (laughs) And I'm sure that copy of Ninja Scroll was on VHS. Oh, guarantee it was. I don't know. That's probably late, late 90s. I think so, yeah. DVDs really didn't take over till like 
2000-ish. That's not accurate because they died in 2006 or something. Anyway. We'll have to do some VHS research for that. So that means you lost, which means I win the coin flip. (laughs) And I'm going to be uber mean to you. And I'm going to make you look at my clips first. All right. Looking at clip number one. Uh, okay. We're going to kid at a table playing d and I do not recognize this kid. Uh, no context clues on the table. Old possibly banana seat bike in the background. Oh, for sure. With the, the monkey bar, the gorilla bars. Yeah. Hmm. Not getting it from this one. I didn't figure it would, but I really like that scene. That's a stumper one for me. All right. This one might be a stumper in general. Okay. Moving on to frame two. Frame two. I actually numbered them correctly this time. Hey. I kept them in order. <laughs> Look at me getting all professional. <laughs> <laughs> We're on episode nine, and it's the first time that I've had them all in order <laughs> and numbered correctly. Getting good. I'm getting good at this thing. Okay, we got two kids, two people being beaten up by a white pickup truck. One guy that's doing the beating has a mohawk, and the other guy beating has purple hair, and it's DC in the background? Mm, No, it is not DC. I I will give you that much. Okay. Oh, is that like a giant Christmas tree or something? No, it's a Capitol building. Is it a Capitol building? Okay. It's a Capitol building. It's just not DC. Mm. Oh, shit. Something, I'm keying off of something with the kid with the purple hair. Like I'm trying to see his, trying to imagine the actor's face, but I'm not thinking of the name. Mm, No, no, not getting it with this either. Okay. All right. Moving on to frame three. This is the make or break frame. Oof. Oh. I'll give you a pass on this one. You give me a pass? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a pass. If, oh, I'm not going to give you a pass. I'm going to let you look at all the frames because... Including frame four? I should have sent you five frames. You should have seen this movie. Who is that? I know this guy. The guy that looks like he's... In frame three? Yeah, frame three still. Stand, standing by the quarantine door. Yo, next to what number is that? 23. Oh, 23, right. Like that Jim Carrey movie, stupid 23 showing up everywhere. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I dare guess. Do you want the actor's name? No, no. Okay. I can't place him, but I know he looks familiar. Mm. Yes, sir. Why, 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 why? <laughs> I'm going back and looking at two because mm. that one triggered something. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, 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 why? You're getting pretty good at picking up frames that are completely throwing me off my game. I have to say that. Well, I think, too, like we operate in a little bit of different genres. Yeah. So it's nice to see like where you're at, because this is this isn't a pivotal movie movie, but it is a pivotal movie in the sense that the content is important to me. Okay. I think I'm going to... Okay, I'm going to go to frame four. What? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> that one like threw me the hell off. <laughs> what the hell? This guy's... I will tell you that when I went to search for these frames... Yeah. Um, I watched the whole movie twice. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I was still laughing at parts and being like, oh, that part's great. That part's great. And for no purpose other than just to rewatch it. I got nothing from that one. The guy wearing the fuzzy lapeled coat brandishing a gun with two people cowering behind him. Well, like I said, I don't know if it, it shouldn't be outside your genre. I'm going go to go to frame five. Okay, frame five. The giveaway. Yeah. Oh, SLC Punk? Yeah, it is. Why? <laughs> That's where I should have went with the, the frame two guy with the purple hair, because I could see that actor's face in my mind. Damn it. The first frame of the kid playing DD is actually at the end of the movie, and it's right before Bob, the guy who is deliberately dressed up like taxi driver. Yes. Uh, De Niro's taxi driver is about to play punk rock for the first time for the main character, Matthew, played by Matthew Lillard. And he goes, we're about to play this. And he goes, hold on, I have something to show you. He goes, what is it? And it turns to him and he goes, it's something new. And he starts playing some punk music. Uh, off the cassette player so it's like a super pivotal moment in the fact that sets up like this whole thing that they base their entire lives off of i will tell you that somewhere in the future i'm going to use this for a, a quote toss because the amount of absurd shit that comes out of these people's mouths during this movie <laughs> is exceptional uh in frame three standing next to the 23 is Jason Siegel. That's who that was. Damn. Young Jason Siegel, who is one of my favorite character types. He wears a polo in every scene, but as soon as he gets pissed off, he takes off his glasses and he goes and beats people's skulls in. Wow. Like two or three times during the movie. Frame four is the Russian guy who has everything and when they have to go get stuff from him he has to show him all their new all of his new contraptions okay and that's when he's trying to sink the car in the salt lake and he's like why won't it fucking sink and they're like well it's like the saltiest lake in all of the world it's really <laughs> buoyant and then he pulls out the pistol and he shoots it like six times you know and they just like they're covering their ears at first and then they like go to get him while he's trying to like reload the gun <laughs> this is like one of your top 10 all-time favorites i i don't know like i've never defined a top 10 i've always defined a top five but after watching it today it might be at least at least somewhere in the top 10 it does all my favorite things they form a team, like even though it's just the two of them. He talks to the audience nonstop. Like, he'll be talking to somebody and be like, great. And then he turns to the camera and just starts rattling off shit. Okay. And, like, the last frame is when he's talking about, who did it better? Was it the Ramones? Was it Sex Pistols? Ramones, Sex Pistols? Who fucking cares? We did it harder, we did it faster, and we did it with more love, baby. And he hits himself in the chest. And, like, they have this really dynamic shot here where he goes, exhibit A. Well, it's really my only exhibit, but I think it'll work. <laughs> and then the movie starts. Like, really starts. The frame two is when he's talking about they were punks and they beat up rednecks. So they're beating up two rednecks. Oh, nice. In all their punk regalia. I know this has been one of your 
favorites for a long time. Yeah, and when my friend Adam listens to this episode, he's going to be super mad at you. Well, to be fair, I think I'm trying to recall if I have, in fact, seen this in its entirety. This is another one of those movies. Yeah, yeah, I I guess it has to be in my top ten. I'm I'm kind of hurt by that. <laughs> Once again, like I was, I was surfing for clips and I was like, has he seen it? He's had to see it. There's no way he hasn't seen it. During that time frame of movie era, I was very tunnel visioned on a select few genres. Sure. And that, I guess for what, I don't know why it wouldn't speak to me. I have no idea why, but now I'm going to have to revisit it and make it a point to sit down and watch it front to back 1998 98 that okay see i was thinking it was even earlier than that 98 no shit it was three years after hackers damn huh okay adding it to the list adding it to the list so there was that now it's time for me to lose (laughs) hopefully not we're so confident we're so confident yeah okay don't don't shush Okay. Shush, 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 shush. Frame one. We have a guy watching football with a whole bunch of football and baseball trophies in the background. It's an old TV, too. Yeah. It's not signs, is it? No. Okay. I don't know why I thought of signs. I always think of, anyways, that's pointless to go into. It's a useless tangent. (laughs) Okay, so we got a guy drinking. I'm still in the first frame, so okay, I'm yeah. anal- analyzing and dissecting and trying to see if there's any any more context clues that I can get so that I can pull it into the next one. Who's the team on the TV? Do I get to know that? They're in red, so what is that? They're both in red, though. That's weird. I'm trying to remember if it was like the the Chiefs and the Redskins or something. I don't. I don't even remember now. I don't think the teams are that important. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go to frame two. Okay. What the hell? Okay, so this is a police car with two shots in the trunk. Mm-hmm. That's a Chrysler. <laughs> for for the audience, how can you tell it's a police car? Uh, there's a small gold P in the lower right corner, which is by the trunk unlatched or trunk key, which is clearly still in the trunk mm-hmm. because the chrysler symbol is flipped off of it there is no other police regalia in that frame at all no it's just a black car now i'm trying to stare at the the reflections in the trunk <laughs> is it robocop no it is not robocop good guess though sure I'm trying to police movie two shots in the trunk can can i ask a technical question you you can you can answer this after i ask it whether or not you want to answer it are the bullet holes supposed to go in what do you mean? The bullet holes are going in. Correct. Okay. That's all I need to know. Okay. Nope. Okay. Going to frame three. Okay. I have a semi-truck driver. Semi-truck driver, but he's hauling a, a liquid tank. Mm-hmm. It's a black semi. Police. Tango's in cash? No, it is not Tango in cash, but that is a good guess. <laughs> And I'm going to be just like this on, like you were with SLC. I'm going to go back to frame one real quick. Hold on. Before mm-hmm. I, because you have labeled the fourth one as the giveaway shot. I think it is, but I, I do have a fifth frame that is a possible giveaway as well. I'm going to have to look at frame four. 
See, we're both just bad at this. Okay, I'm looking at a rear view mirror. Is that a Brad Pitt? It is. In glasses and a cowboy hat. And just for the audience, that is true. We have done two Brad Pitt movies in a row. Because <laughs> you did Money Money Ball last time. Uh-huh. I tried to get you with uh, the Fight Club. I don't know how long ago that was. So now I'm just going through his like filmography, but his filmography is also huge. He's got some kind of strap on. Strap, strap. He's got a strap on his shoulder. Yeah. For either a duffel bag, but I want to think it's not a rifle strap. It's a duffel bag. It's a duffel bag, yeah. Old 80s. 80s, early 90s. Man, I don't know. You might have to. Did you send that fifth frame over? And it's just a continuation of one of the earlier frames, but it may help. I'm starting to wonder if. This is falling into the same category for you as SLC Punk is for me. Which is interesting. Did you get the fifth frame? Okay, I'm opening it up. So now the the thing's on fire. (laughs) The truck's on fire. No, I'm not going to get this one. Wow. Brad Pitt is (laughs) semi-desert. I'm guessing Arizona, Utah area, New Mexico. I don't even know. Am I supposed to know the actor who's the semi-truck driver? No. No. Okay. He's just a character actor. Is it a Coen Brothers film? Since I've clearly already lost. You've lost, yeah. And it is not a Coen Brothers. It's not a Coen Brothers. But I can see where you were going that way. I could definitely see that. I got nothing. The movie is Thelma and Louise. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Frame one is Thelma's husband when she finally calls him and tells him she's going to be gone for another day. Frame two is they got pulled over by a, a cop and they end up disarming him and then they put him in the trunk, but they shoot two bullet holes in there so he can have air. Okay. <laughs> Frame three is a truck driver that was being nasty to them. They were toying with him, basically. Okay. It's not necessarily a Brad Pitt movie, but Brad Pitt appears. He's a hitchhiker that robs people. Man, it's been a long, long time since I've seen that movie. He is not a lead by any means. He's not, I would say cameo, but that's not even a cameo. That's just... It's it's a more substantial than a cameo, because he has numerous scenes and a lot of dialogue with Gina Davis. Man. Wow. The reason I use Thelma and Louise is because I remembered back in the day, many, many moons ago, before we could buy stuff online and from our phones, people went to places called malls and walked around from store to store looking in the windows for things. Mm -hmm. And I was doing said activity one time, and one of the things people would have happen to them at a mall would be a survey taker would ask them. (laughs) Do you have time to take a random survey? And I don't know why. And usually you just out of hand dismiss them and like, no, no, I don't want nothing to do with it. Sure. But on this day, I was like, sure. Why the hell not? I've got nothing better to do. And I went back to their survey office where they took me into a room and they had me screen the trailer and answer their questionnaire of what I thought about it and then paid me for my time. Whoa, that's interesting and serendipitous in a way as far as like your love for movies and it just happened to be about a movie because usually it's about something real stupid. Yeah, that's why I was very shocked. Usually it's, you know, product surveys. What do you what do you think about the brand GM? Right. I do have a question for you since you're talking about trailers and what you thought about it and anything they could change. 
have you seen the two versions of the Mrs. Doubtfire trailer? No. No? I was unaware there was. <laughs> so there is the official trailer for Mrs. Doubtfire, and then there is a horror cut of <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. It's really super interesting what can change in a trailer because sometimes you go into a movie and you're like how did that relate to the trailer like how did we get to this point and like just by changing the music or changing the way the scenes are cut together it really does change yeah you know in your notes put down that you should go watch that and we maybe you can talk about it after you watch it i've seen a lot of these fan-made redone tv show intros oh sure maybe it was like movies but they made it, it was a horror movie or some kind of like action movie, but then they recut it with different music and then they make it seem like it was some 80s sitcom show. Yeah, it, yeah, that's kind of the same tone. Like they're talking about episodic versus this longer format, uh, but like they changed the whole tone. And for maybe some people that don't know what Mrs. Doubtfire is, is uh, Robin Williams and his wife, Sally Field, are getting divorced and he still wants to to see the kids but the wife doesn't want to let him see the kids so he gets his buddy to put prosthetics on him and make him look like an old lady so he can become the nanny and in that description you could see where like it kind of transforms you know it could be easily transformed you know putting on the makeup and doing the different things you know just with tone the music tone and again, for our listeners, my brother is being very, very nice and giving you that rundown. I, on the other hand, am demanding that if you have not seen Mrs. Doubtfire, you stop the podcast right now. Go watch it and then come back and finish this episode. <laughs> It is. It was a, a pivotal Robin Williams, I don't know, I always want to call him joints after Spike Lee, but films of Robin Williams where like he like he was really in his groove. It's comedy infused with some serious drama, mm -hmm. the family relationship and the dynamic. It's just as good as a lot of his other performances. I would still put things like Goodwill Hunting above Mrs. Doubtfire, but they're all in the same list. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. It's also hard to find a Robin Williams film that is not good to watch. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about that before. I mean, you get down into the weeds, down into insomnia and 24 hour photo, and they're still good watches. So, horrible transition talking about creepy, creeptacular slash funny people. You assigned me a movie. Oh, yeah. You assigned me Ready or Not. I'm going to give you the overall thing, which is really good, like, trapped in a house horror film. Yeah. Followed by the last, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, 10 minutes of comedy explosions. <laughs> Spoiler alerts. When the first person blows up, <laughs> I sat and I just looked at the screen and I was like, what the hell is going on and then the next person blows up and i'm like they're not gonna do this to all of them and then the mom and the two kids run out of the room <laughs> but yet they blow back up so that all three of them separately like <laughs> blow back into the room they just ran from and right like don't get me wrong it's kind of like the same tone as Clue. Like it had like this comedy-ish element. It took itself way more serious than Clue until that point. Exactly. 
right? Like she gets shot in the hand and I was half expecting her to look through the hole kind of like Quentin Tarantino did like, and like look through the dripping hole in her hand and like all the people are dying from various ways. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like (laughs) it was super fun that they kept the husband until last. And then, so we have the six people that explode like their water balloons filled with fake blood <laughs> followed by the what happened here in-laws <laughs> are you fucking serious i don't know if you picked that movie because oh this is right up tim's alley because it was um or if you found actual value in it which it i i mean it was it was a fun watch and i i told melissa i said oh you're gonna have to watch that and she's like i guess i can i'm like oh no i'll watch it with you it's fun like it's really (laughs) stupid but it's fun i didn't read what i call the word trailer which is the description I just watched it. Went in blind. I went in blind. Perfect. And by the time they're talking about she has to play a game and he has that look on his face, I'm like, they're going to hunt her. Yeah. They're going to hunt her. There's no way this isn't how this ends. They telegraph that pretty well. He's like, you, you can see that coming a mile away. Yeah. And then the comedy slash horror that ensues after that. <laughs> It was shot well, and it was done well, and there were lots of twists and turns, and like I said, it's like a more serious clue type situation, <laughs> like because I guess because it's all in one house and you have characters. and Yeah, a lot of those elements, a lot of those keystones are there, yeah. So it was just like, okay, and I'm going to steal your phrasing from, I think, think last week. It was a really fun watch. Like Good. <laughs> to like, are you kidding me right now? really like talking to the tv as things are happening and just being like okay that's where (laughs) the guy who had played i think it was old maid he's got darker hair shorter yes in a suit uh reminded me of the guy from beetlejuice who's the interior decorator i almost had like double yeah at one point you're like is that like wait is that the guy is that like somebody related to him like I, and then there was one other character that was like really reminiscent of a character from a different movie but i couldn't quite put my finger on it it wasn't like original by any means or like but it was super entertaining i have to give uh props and thanks to my buddy sean mcguan he talked it up <laughs> because of him i i watched it and i went in blind like yeah. you did I'm like, okay, this is there's some tropes in here that I've seen before. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but this is they're they're not doing it badly. This is entertaining. And then it gets to the end and it does that hard left <laughs> turn. <laughs> and you're like, what hold on. <laughs> it came across to me as a I don't know if you remember, a feature length expanded episode of Tales from the Crypt. Oh, there you go. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. Like it was it was just so over the top at the end. Not that the whole movie wasn't over the top. I mean, it was it was a fun, you know, like shots getting fired and like each of them have different weapons and like so it's just like okay. The the guy you mentioned earlier and he got he ended up with the crossbow and he's looking up directions <laughs> on YouTube how to use it. <laughs> And he's like, right at that point, he's like the floor below her or something. 
yeah. she makes a noise and like it cuts to him and he's like on his phone in the dark like tutorial number one of how to load your crossbow or whatever it is and he's just like <laughs> okay back to this like i rented it and then i had to buy it and i think i've i think i've watched that movie like four times now it was super fun and it's everything that you would want and it also i guess had that knives out feeling kind of yeah like i could twisty, see that too, turny, yeah. not not as like who done it yeah it was not as who done it but it was just like a very like oh we have this cast of characters and there's no big name actors in there. there's like andy mcdowell and uh oh i forget the patriarch's name too but you've seen him in like a hundred things before too but other than that like the leads adam brody's the drunk brother he's a, he's a, a secondary character so that was entertaining <laughs> He comes in with his his jokes and punchlines and and that lead Samara Weaving is excellent in that is like totally believed her her portrayal there that was fantastic yeah and then nobody else is I mean Henry Kazerni he's been in stuff before he's yeah he's the 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 big patriarch yeah. you you've seen him in a hundred things before as some you know random character the, the front three quarters of the movie is rehashing retelling tropes you've seen before and then it does this left turn and you throws you completely off it was stuff that had been done before but it was it was worth it to see how they put their spin and their flair on it we'll move on from ready or not <laughs> to my homework which was <laughs> the opposite end of the scale yeah, right. What Wesley had assigned you via me. It was my nephew had assigned me the Spiderwick Chronicles, <laughs> which is if Ready or Not and Spiderwick are on the same gauge, they're at opposite ends. <laughs> I I don't know, man. Like I don't even know if they're on the same gauge. Like if they were, if they were. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Did, you did? Did you watch it? Yeah. I know I know this like if I recall right didn't do well at the box office didn't mm. catch on or anything which no. after watching it I'm surprised I think it fell into it was in that genre oh it's a book for kids so now we're going to you know try to play it up like the Harry Potters or whatever it definitely th- felt like they were trying to make a, a Harry Potter competitor or another, you know, to launch into that demographic for sure. And they had the, the, the kids' books to build off of. And, you know, I know there's a whole series of them that they had the material to make it into a series. Sure. Mm-hmm. I went into it fairly blind. I know I had bought the books for my kids. Okay. The first two, maybe three books, I think, if I'm remembering right. But I don't remember any of them catching on to it, and I don't even think I read them, but I thought they looked cool. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, so other other than that, I was like, I just knew, you know, just the blurbs from the, the covers and went into it from not reading anything about the movie, just remembering what I remembered from the book covers. I was totally impressed with, first, the music jumped out at me the okay. music's done really well if you're going to compete or tap into the same demographic as harry potter you you really do have to hit that music in the same way special effects were you know and the cgi was all top notch you know definitely on a, a a competitive level there and i know the books skew more heavily on this 
fairies versus goblins conflict that's been going on for centuries, I guess, or whatever. And the movie skews it more heavily to show the goblins, and they really downplayed the fairies. Yeah. Which I get. You know, I think think that's what they had to do. Otherwise, it would come off too kitty. Yes. I, I, I think, you know, with the, the connotations that happen now, right, like fairies are Tinkerbell, like automatically they kind of yes. get put into that like genre of tinkerbell whereas if you have like goblins or you know you kind of get put into this like mythical lore realm that is a little bit more serious and grown up than tinkerbell is yeah so yeah i definitely think it's skewed that way i was entertained i was surprised to see uh nick nolte <laughs> um David David Stratham and uh, Mary Louise Parker uh, as the mom. Mm-hmm. Not that those were needed, but to have more you know more high caliber known names in there was what was surprising. It was it was definitely entertaining. Yeah, you know, it was it was a. I mean, not on the same level. I guess we can use that for a lot of movies, but like it was fun. But like it had like this. You know, I thought the really interesting thing was between the the oculus that he kept using to see you know they did a really good job of like playing back and forth and between using the oculus to see things and whatnot so i thought that was it was a really good play and right once again like it's one of wesley's more favorite movies and that's why he suggested it but yet i can't get the kid to sit down and watch a harry potter (laughs) which that surprised me because if he likes that you would think that harry potter would be even more of a hook for him yeah like it's like the next level but i I think there's something about the pacing of that movie yeah versus the pacing of like a harry potter where like you know the harry potter formula is like okay here's harry in his real life here's how harry gets to school here's the start of school here's how the school year plays out yeah but also isn't there because of the magic witch aspect of harry potter that it skews a little darker where spider wick spider wick taps into all those same kinds of things without getting too dark for sure yeah it's definitely a lighter tone to the whole thing so it was it's interesting to see like where where mindsets of kids are and like to see like what they do and don't like like yeah you know because like I keep trying to get a. It took me a long time to get him to like Star Wars or sit through Star Wars, I should say, <laughs> until he like now he's been asking. He's like, "Well, Kenobi's coming out, so should we watch one, two, and three? And I'm like, mm. "No." And he's like, oh. "Why not? I hear they're good." I'm like, "Oh, they're bad. They're really, really bad." I know there's. We can get into this debate on a different podcast. But yeah, I think the tone of those is also different than the tone of the you know. Yes. When when we're talking about tone, the the tone of 1, 2, and 3 is very different from 4, 5, and 6. And I think in, in the same respect that Spiderwick Chronicles is in a different tone than Harry Potter. Yeah, Agreed. Well, I'm glad you didn't like watch it and then like, oh, that was a waste of time. No, no. <laughs> the feeling I had of it is very similar to comics. Obviously, I'm going to gravitate towards more adult material in the comics that I read. But then there's a whole category of all ages. Yeah. Where the, you know, the comic adaptation of Batman, the animated series and, you know, all these other, you know, as they call it, 
all ages where it's, you know, a little bit lighter fare, but still there's, you know, high adventure entertainment value there. And that's what I felt like watching Spiderwick. I, I was entertained. I was, I knew it was going to be skewing towards a younger demographic, but I looked at it that way. Okay. I liked it. You stumble across it and you happen to catch it. I would think most people would be entertained. It's fun. Would you watch it in a hotel room if it was free? <laughs> I don't know if that's a good category. <laughs> we will watch infomercials on knife sharpeners in a hotel room because it's free. <laughs> uh, that is true. Yeah, for sure. But like, I don't necessarily stop and watch it every time. But like, if Wes is watching it, I can definitely sit down next to him and be like, oh, we're watching this. Like, okay. I've paid attention to it enough where i can like kind of jump in at any moment and be like okay i know the background and i'm not like uh what's supposed to be happening right now like the storytelling aspect's pretty good it's a pretty solid story it, it had all the trappings to to be a, a springboard into a series for sure yeah because what was that other one percy jackson was another one that was right in that same realm mm -hmm. um but I that was more based on the the greek gods and stuff mythology and i don't think the movie was as well done either no everybody wanted that harry potter cash <sighs> so many people <laughs> i had thought about the assignment for next time yes i'm gonna stick right in my slc punk genre uh -huh. and i am going to assign you the anarchist cookbook Ooh, interesting okay anarchist cookbook well i do have it on vhs if you need me send it to you <laughs> and i do have a vhs player still so for your assignment mm -hmm. this may be playing too much into your wheelhouse i'm giving you rock and rolla i don't think i've seen that one it's got gerard butler idris elba daddy newton tom hardy jeremy piven jeremy piven yeah even uh who's the other guy uh, ludicrous Luda. but it's a it's one of these movies that's just got this like cavalcade of names and people you've seen in other things the best way i described it to other people that i've encouraged to watch it it has the same energy as pulp fiction but there's no similarities in the story at all okay. nowhere close to pulp fiction you'll see it has that same energy you brought up Luda. i just watched him in a movie about bmx bike racing professional bmx bike racer. what <laughs> yeah he was the uh stepfather which was an odd wow uh, so somehow ludicrous went from rapping to being a fairly prominent actor question mark his and jeremy piven's role in this are is they're tertiary characters you know they mm -hmm. don't show up a lot but they like two or three scenes and it's funny well you know i have a soft spot for jeremy piven that's why i mentioned it yes <laughs> <laughs> The two that jump off course are PCU and Judgment Night. Of course. reason I picked it is that it's got a ragtag team being assembled and there's a, he a heist oh. type thing happening. <sighs> right in my wheelhouse. There, I don't think there's any fourth wall breaking, but there is voiceover. So speaking of actors... I was recently told that James Franco. Yeah. Someone else responded with, is that the guy who they hire when they can't get Johnny Depp? <laughs> and I went, oh, that's so mean. And then the longer I thought about it, 
the more accurate I think that statement is. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, have you been like watching the news at all? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not the news part, but like they both play whack jobs in their movies and you could definitely see james franco being a jack sparrow and okay did you see prometheus Mm -hmm. yes of course i did the other scientist husband to the lead Mm -hmm. (laughs) a co-worker called that guy discount tom hardy (laughs) (laughs) well if the shoe fits (laughs) so we have tried a whole bunch of different stuff as space fillers. I was thinking the other day about asking you a couple questions. I distilled it down to this kind of a test run question mark. All right. And it relates back to a thing that used to be in the wizard magazines. Okay. You are the person in charge of making a new Batman film. And you and I know there's a million different storylines for Batman, and I have my own likes and dislikes for certain storylines. But who would you cast as Batman, Alfred, and would you include any other characters, and who would the villain be? Wow. And who would play the villain? Okay. Wow. Boy, you're putting me on the spot. I know. Okay. I thought it was a fun game. Wow. Ooh. I got to cast Batman, Alfred, and whoever the villain is that I pick. Yes. And if you want to add any cursory characters, like, do you cast a Robin? Mm. Do you cast a Catwoman? Right? Like, do we need those characters in that particular storyline? I'm really intrigued with the Batman Year One type storylines recently. Commissioner Gordon's got a whole bunch of background in the military, and, like, so does Alfred. And then you have... You know, Bruce landing in, like, trying to get his feet wet, trying to be Batman, surrounded by these two pivotal characters. Ooh, okay. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to have to think here for a minute. (laughs) Wow. I like this idea. Hmm. Who can pull off suave and somewhat muscular fit as well this is rough oh i know it was a it was an interesting question because they always cast like in wizard they always cast it based on lookalikes yeah i'm not so much worried about lookalikes as i'm worried about like because i think we've had these discussions in the past about what makes a good bruce wayne versus what makes a good batman I kind of have some ideas for Alfred and the villain. I'm struggling to think of a few for Batman. This is is like wish list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, everybody says yes to you. If they hadn't already wasted Henry Cavill as Superman, I would want him for Bruce Wayne. Okay, I could see that. He could totally have been better cast as Batman and let them figure out somebody else for Superman. That would be my dream. Obviously, that can't be. No, it doesn't matter if it's possible or not. I'm just curious, like, who you think would be best cast. Like, I don't think anyone who's passed away would fit that particular genre. Yeah. If we keep doing this, like, if someone's passed away, I don't think I'm going to exclude it. For Alfred. Alfred, okay. I would have two picks from the same movie series. I would want either the sommelier, weapons guy from john wick 2 okay or the uh concierge from the front desk Mm. either one of those would be my alfred 
Now the villain, I would not go to like any existing villains. I would want to use one that hasn't been used a whole lot. <sighs> this is the only thing that I actually gave any thought on. <laughs> the villain? Yeah. Uh, amongst all of the Batman villains, I would love to see Clayface. For those of you that couldn't see it, I gave Mike a golf clap because that is uh, by far one of my favorite villains just for the fact that, especially in this day and age, CG. CG makeup, prosthetics, like you can totally push him any way you want him to be. And then who do you cast as Clayface? He just has to be a voice at that point. Well, no, because Clayface has to have that acting history behind him. In the comics, he's like a Silver Age uh, swashbuckling headliner kind of guy. He's aging out. It would have to be somebody who has the chops to make it look like they had stage performance history. But then he's also got to be able to play crazy where he become unhinged at a moment's notice. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay, think of someone who has multiple personalities in almost all of his movies. <laughs> okay. Anybody come to mind? Multiple personalities in all his movies? Almost all of them, yeah. It's a common theme for his characters is Edward Norton. Mm. Edward Norton almost always has two personas in every movie that he plays. Yeah, that's funny. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Even in the Italian job, he plays a thief that double crosses it and then turns into all of his crew. But he would be a like an actor guy, and we know that he can flip. He's not quite as dramatic as I think you want him to be. No, yeah. Like, he doesn't have the, like, crazy... He doesn't have the Nick, Cra Nick Cage craziness. <laughs> and that's, all, like, almost what you have to have. And Nick Cage is too over-the-top... Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. This guy's got to have some serious debonair yeah. seriousness to him. Who would I cast as that? <laughs> hmm. Okay. My clay face. Uh huh. Toby Leonard Moore. What he plays Wesley, the assistant to Kingpin in the Daredevil series. I think he could do it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's a picture of him, Wesley. Yeah. The all of his like real shots. Yes. Yeah, I think he has that kind of... I think he's got the acting chops that he was very downplayed and calm to play Wesley. And then this would be the other end of the spectrum for him. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't that fit into like the... <clears throat> and I'm not saying this in a negative thing. Doesn't that fit kind of into the American psycho format? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Right, which is really interesting because American psycho is... Uh, what's his nuts? Bale, Christian Bale. Bale, Christian Bale, thank you. Right, it's like, has some kind of like, yeah, I think that'd be really good. I have wanted to see Clayface in a theatrical version just to see what they could do with him storyline-wise. You've got the, the entire rogues gallery of Batman villains, and we keep going back to Catwoman and Joker. Well, yeah, because they're the most iconic, and that's what brings in things. like. Well, I'm glad the new one's the least going to Riddler. We hadn't seen a, a serious Riddler. So my three, my top three villains for for that go into Mr. Freeze, oh. the Clock King, and Clayface. 
Clock King. Interesting. Clock King has never been used properly, ever. And for sure, Mr. Freeze was used incorrectly. Same with the Riddler, yeah. Yeah. God, we could use a, a totally serious Mr. Freeze. Oh, yeah. No offense to American actors, but that has to be some kind of British... Oh, yeah. Stoic, because he is a very, like, dry villain as far as that goes calculated there we go that's better i hate going back to him all the time but he's just so good could do like mark strong in the sherlock holmes Hmm. with robert downey jr i think he could do a mr freeze are you sure you're not thinking of stanley tucci stanley tucci (laughs) no like seriously when you type in mark strong like side by side comparisons pop up (laughs) Yeah, they're they're similar, but because I, mean, I thought, isn't that Stanley Tucci? I'm like, I'm like, oh, they're comparing the two. Okay, yeah, I could see him. I'm sure there's like other ones though. That's like the first one that comes to mind. If I'm put on the spot for that, but God, yeah, Batman's always an interesting person too because first you have to decide what era Batman. I do like the idea of. The young Batman year one. Yeah. The fresh trying to learn how to be Batman. Ben Affleck has piqued my curiosity on the old aging Batman. Oh, yeah. Like the I'm in horrible shape. The Dark Knight Returns end of era Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Like I did some shit. Now I got to sit here and huff and puff for a second. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting thing so i guess i and the villains are kind of timeless like you can put them in and out wherever you want them another thing i don't think they use or have had the chance to use enough is arkham asylum up to this point they they could use that a lot more yeah because that was one of like the big things is like batman puts them in arkham they escape from arkham like you know and they just push them back and forth there are some some things that i don't want to spoil it but they bring up arkham in the new movie i think they're leaning towards that so that should be interesting i also think poison ivy as a female role has not been used why are we pulling all the horribly portrayed villains from the joel schumacher batman because that's why it's because it, because as real fans quote unquote um when i think especially when they were announced there was an anticipation of like oh this could be really good like that particular villain in this role and then they cast it and kind of went batman 66 with it yeah and it's like batman 66 did its job it ran through the gambit of campy some days you just can't get rid of a bomb situations shark repellent uh what do you get when you combine a pen and a banana a ballpoint banana okay (laughs) we're good now move it along i'm not saying there can't be humor because like iron man has proved that to be you know marvel has proved to be a a dominant force in the the comedic realm but and even that interaction between ben affleck and what's the flash kid's name oh ezra miller yeah ezra miller their quote to ben affleck's batman or bruce wayne goes remind me again what's your superpower and he goes i'm rich (laughs) yes that's how you have to come to it yeah right and that's the perfect setup it's like yeah that's that's exactly why i like batman (laughs) like 
because he's got all the toys, like the Jack Nicholson line. Where does he get such wonderful toys? But even like that version of the Joker was misused. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think you're much closer with the, you know, Heath Ledger Joker. I think that's definitely where it should have gone. I think he took it to a surprising place. I like the fact that like he tells a story about his cuts all the time and it's a different story. Yeah. Well, he's just fucking with people now. Like, and I like the fact that there's no origin story for that particular character. It leaves it open for interpretation. We keep coming back to these characters that are misused in other parts just because they're misused. We want to see them happen, but like the Clock King got used in the Flash TV show, but it sucked. Captain Cold, which is a B-list Mr. Freeze is in the DC TV series. And it's like, every time he's on screen, I'm just like, I I just want him to be Mr. Freeze. Like, can we not do this? (sighs) Disappointing. And, you know, and other things work. Like, you know, you have the Suicide Squad who King Shark showed up on the TV before he showed up on Suicide Squad. Right? But then they reuse him in Suicide Squad. It's just like... Okay. There's room for humor and there's room for that stuff, but it's also like, there's a certain aspect to that. Did you see Doctor Strange? The first one? Yeah. I haven't seen the second. We took the kids for last day of school. How was it? Crazy. (laughs) More, more so than the first one? Oh, yeah. Okay. I like Benedict Cumberbatch. He does this really great reading of a solo wit letter to Eva Hess. Solo wit is a... 60s 70s artist okay and so is eva hess and he writes a letter to eva hess and they have it and a couple different actors have done it Mm -hmm. but he does it with an amount of enthusiasm that is absolutely absurd borderline absurd okay it's really good this is reading reading aloud a letter yes associated with uh Doctor Strange, man, what's it called? Multiverse of Madness. You know that's directed by Sam Raimi. Uh Uh-huh. You know how I knew it was directed by Sam Raimi? How did you know? (laughs) Bruce Campbell's in it. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) I did not know anything about this movie. I just knew the kids wanted to see it, and that uh, Wanda shows up in it, and that's all I knew. And... There's a part that comes in and Bruce Campbell is in there and I'm like, Sam Raimi directed this. <laughs> I'm like, there's no reason for Bruce Campbell to be in this movie. There's no reason. Yes. When you go to see it, whether you rent it or you go to the theater to see it, there are two post credit scenes. Ah, there is okay. the, I don't know, the one that is like before the credits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they start the credits yeah, yeah. and then they have the yeah mid credits and, yeah, and then a post credits. And it, it's for sure. Like if you didn't read Sam Raimi's name, the post credit scene is for sure the kicker that you're just like, <sighs> and Wes is like, why, why are you, why were you like that? Like, <laughs> like the guy with the big chin, <laughs> he goes, yeah, he's the director's friend. he goes how do you know that i'm like because he's been in every stupid movie that he's ever been in (laughs) he's ever directed i'm 
almost everyone. I don't know if everyone, but it's like Bruce Campbell shows up in some capacity in a Sam Raimi film. <laughs> I would have just leaned in to Wes and go, because I know stuff, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Wes is really analytical that way. Like, why do you know that? How do you know that? <laughs> well, it's good he, he picked up on that. He wants to know why you know that. Oh, well, okay, so he did this movie with this other, you know, this other movie. And then usually by the time you get done describing the other movie, Wes is like, can I watch that one? <laughs> and you're like, someday. See this all right here? I filled this <laughs> with a bunch of useless knowledge <laughs> that will only benefit me if there was a category on Jeopardy. I only fill this with knowledge to know that Sam Raimi directed the most recent Doctor Strange because Bruce Campbell pops up. <laughs> it's so dumb. He's a hot dog vendor <laughs> on the street in a multiverse. So it's not even hot dogs. It's like pizza balls or something. <laughs> and the girl comes and she's like, oh, it's free. And he goes, how do you know it's free? And she goes, it's free in most multiverses. And then off camera, you hear... Hey, you have to pay for that. And I'm like, <sighs> like even the voice, like <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Why would Bruce Campbell be in anything? Like no, no offense to Bruce Campbell. He's not a great actor. No. Like, <laughs> and when I was at SIUC in Carbondale, I, I wish I would have been more in the loop my first year there because the theater department paid for him to come oh man but the theater department was real mad because he got to campus and he ditched them to go to the art shows <laughs> so bruce campbell wandered around siuc's art shows getting paid by the theater department <laughs> nice you think sam raimi just calls bruce campbell and says hey bruce yeah sam you busy what time and where <laughs> Um, no, I'm going to, I'm going to back you up one. I think number one, I think they text a lot back and forth. <laughs> I think when the phone rings and Bruce Campbell sees it's Sam Raimi, he picks it up and goes, yep, where am I going? <laughs> I don't think there's any conversation. I just like, he's calling me. Where am I going? Yeah. There's probably no hesitation at that point in, I think it's one of Kevin Smith's uh, specials. Mm -hmm. He talks about calling Kevin, what's his name? The But he talks about getting ready to cast Red State Okay. with Kevin Smith. But he talks about like how he calls this actor mm -hmm. and the actor picks up the phone. He goes, where do you need me and when? <laughs> and that that's the whole conversation. There, Kevin Pollack. Oh, he's got a podcast. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. Damn. He calls Kevin Pollack and says, hey, I'd like you to be in this movie. And he goes, when and where? <laughs> and that was the whole conversation. So I could only assume that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, I assume them to be like Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> right? It's like, Sam's over. I gotta go. <laughs> Is Bruce Campbell Jay? Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, you could only assume, like, Sam's got to have some kind of decorum. <laughs> 
to be a director. His movies may not say that, but I don't even know what Sam Raimi looks like. Have you watched Red State? No. Wow, he doesn't look anything like I thought he would look like. The people you think don't look like what you think. Vince Gilligan, the guy oh. the guy that came up with Breaking Bad, never think he would come up with dark shit like that. Well, especially when you hear him talk. Oh, yeah. I've listened to him on podcasts. You know, he was on the Nerdist. Right? Yeah, no, he looks exactly how I think he would look by hearing his voice, though. The dark places that Breaking mm, Bad yeah. goes, are like, came from you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's that demon inside all of us, I guess. Well, we have our assignments, right? I have Rock and Rolla, and mm-hmm. you have the Anarchist Cookbook. Cook. Yep. Yeah. And you'll have to figure out whether you want to just drop it on me or send me a... A movie early. A movie recasting. A movie recasting. Okay. Uh, but that puts you in the arduous task of quotes for next time. Oh, shit. <laughs> I keep I keep writing it as quote duty. <laughs> quote duty. So yeah. we'll go our merry ways and research our assignments. Until next time, we'll see you back here on Film Nerd Theater. Yeah, number 10 next time. Damn. Thanks. Film Nerd Theater. Making nerding sexy again. Please subscribe and share. Help spread the word of the nerd. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for the daily film nerd theater game. Listen to previous episodes from these nerds at filmnerdtheater.com or your favorite podcasting service.